Hey, this is the September 19th, 2017 edition of Three Songs Podcast. Mike Hogan here with Mr. Bob Nastanovich and Mr. Ghost. Yeah, Mr. Ghost is back in action tonight. He's out here. He's not freezing hell yet. That's my corgi. Yeah. Well, this is his domain that I, yeah, I recorded on, here on the Windy Prairie. He knows. Yeah, he, he knows. He knows. He hears his name, my friend. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, Bob, here we go. It's the sixth episode. We're, we're kind of, I feel like we're hitting, maybe I shouldn't say anything, but I feel like we're hitting our stride. Well, yeah, I mean, that, to, to me, it's become like continuing education here because, yeah, you know, like in, in recent weeks, you've picked songs you've never picked something that I'm absolutely familiar with, like that I recall, like, Hey, I definitely know that song, but usually I would have at least heard of the band and knew yeah. the band. Yeah. In this case, I just don't know. I know zero. So unlike last week where I'm going to try to like educate myself during the song and, and sound like a blithering fool. Um, I'm just going to like sit back and listen to your explanation and tell you what I think. I like that. I like that a lot. And, and, Frankly, I mean, I know of a couple of the bands. I mean, I certainly know of at least two of the bands that you're going to be playing tonight. But uh, I don't know the songs, and I'm, I'm certainly not knowledgeable enough. So I'm going to do the same as you. I mean, I think this is the first episode where we brought six songs together, and I don't know your three, and you don't know my three. So uh, hopefully we'll both learn something, and hopefully the audience will enjoy it too. God, let's hope so. Yeah. All right. Well, I'm going to start tonight, and I'm going to start with uh, Mr. Robert Wilkins. Actually, Reverend Robert Wilkins is his name. Um, the, the, the The Honorable Reverend, blues musician. He's one of these guys, I think we've mentioned in, in the past, you know, like a Mississippi John Hurt, Skip James, who was recording stuff in the 20s, and then just kind of did his thing you know when the when the blues you know the, the depression hit the war these blues artists were still doing their stuff wherever they lived maybe playing the juke joints maybe just playing for themselves maybe playing for friends but didn't really record weren't really that known and then in the 60s after usually mostly after the uh, Harry Smith compilation uh, American Anthology of Folk Music, they all kind of, the ones that were still alive, the the, the folklorists sought them out and they, um, they re-recorded a lot of them. And Rever- Reverend, between the time he recorded his stuff in the 20s and the time he was quote-unquote rediscovered in the 60s, Robert Wilkins became, became Reverend Robert Wilkins. And he recorded an album, it was released in 1964, uh, Dick Spotswood, uh, the Piedmont label, uh, found him, recorded him, and it is one of my favorite, favorite records of any guitar, you know, John Fahey, actually John Fahey was a good friend of Dick Spotswood, um, I know that they sought out a lot of old blues blues records and blues musicians, um, so it's not a surprise that I'm a huge Fahey fan, and I love, love, love this record that came out in 1964. Wow. And if people know Reverend Robin Wilk- Robert Wilkins, they know him mostly for the the 10-minute-long the epic on this record, which is Prodigal Son, which was later famously... Yes. See, I know of this artist. Right. Later famously... 
stolen stolen because they didn't credit him on the original release of Beggar's Banquet, stolen by the Rolling Stones, credited as a Jagger Richards composition, which of course it wasn't, and, and Wilkins sued them and rightly won uh, recognition and, and royalties for their cover. But their cover is a very truncated... A pretty penny, I imagine. I would imagine, penny. yeah, truncated version, because his, his version, I'm not going to play that here, because it's 10 minutes long, and it's epic, and it's fantastic, and by all means, seek it out. Um, but uh, his version of Prodigal Son is, is fantastic. Instead, I'm going to play a different song from that same album, it's called Jesus Will Fix It All Right. It's a little shorter. It's it's a little deeper of a cut, um, but it's just as good in my opinion. And I just love his playing and I love his singing. And uh, it's just, it's, this is And this album. is a 60s re-recording of this song? Yeah, or yeah. Like the old one. Well, no, I, I, you know, he recorded, and you can find, I think it's on Spotify, you can find his recordings from the 20s. It's called the original Rolling Stone um, ya- Yazoo released a collection of those. This album from the 60s, I found a reissue in the 90s. And I don't know if it's still out of print, but it was out of print for years and years. I never could find another copy of it. So I actually burned, what we're listening to is a is a burn of, of my vinyl copy that I have played a bunch. So, um, yeah. You're so modern, Mikey. I, I am. Let's, I am. Let's do it. Uh, Robert Wilkins, Reverend Robert Wilkins, Jesus will fix it all right. Yeah. All right. All right. Jesus will fix it all right. All right. It's all right. All right.
He's an American beauty. Yeah. Yeah. I love and that. Is the Reverend uh, still with us, or is he long gone? Oh, no, he's long gone. I think we lost yeah. him in maybe in the 80s. Uh, yeah, it 70s, is 2017. Right? Yeah. Yeah. No, he was recording He was recording in the 20s. Yeah, I was going to say it'd be a modern miracle. Yeah. No, but, but a lot of times, like, uh, these fine folks last well into their 90s. Yeah, somehow, and, and you know he was still playing, and he I didn't think, Elizabeth Cotton when we when you played oh, yeah. her song, didn't we yeah. discover that she died at like ninety five or something? Yeah, yeah, she was ninety five, and um, you know Robert Wilkins I think was pretty old as well, and was playing. I think the reason why the Stones even knew his song in order to cover it uh, was he was playing at um, uh, Newport. He played. He played. Uh, oh, yeah. He played Newport Folk Festival, and um, that was sort of the rediscovery. Well, not the rediscovery, but um, what led to an interest in him again in the '60s. And, and the Stones covered "Prodigal Son," but it's it's his stuff is is strangely hard to find, even with that cachet behind it. Um, but yeah, he died. I'm looking it up right now. He died in 1987. Was born in 1896. So he lived a long Whoa. life. Yeah. yeah, he did. Yeah. Bless his heart. Yeah, he yeah. So good it seems stuff. Like that, to me, that's like uh, maybe because of its origins. But those kind of songs always sound like hot weather music to me. Like hot, yeah, hot, real hot, steamy weather music. Yeah. Well, you know, he was from the south, and uh, I'm I'm sure that that was a a big influence. Uh, he was from Mississippi, but he died in Memphis. So, I guess that has something to do with it, Bob. Yeah, that's right, Bob. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
now, there you go. Let's uh, oh, you let's... can see it though. You can see it. Like you can see, like you can see the steam. Yeah. 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 Oh, and his playing. I mean, his finger picking. It's uh, you yeah. can you can definitely see the Fahey, how Fahey was influenced by him for sure. Oh yeah. So uh, let's let's talk about your three songs. You brought three that I don't know. Well, this is one of the to me. I'm going to start off with a Xyloris White song. It's a band that is made now made two full length albums, and uh, this is actually on their first one. They're they're a totally present band. They started in 2013, and it's George Xyloris, who's a who's a Greek singer, and he plays an instrument that's like the oud. It's a from the lute family. It's a, he's mm-hmm. he's a from from Greece. I think his actual instrument is called the um, forgive my pronunciation the lauto. It's L A O U T O, but it's like bouzouki like. It's a very uh, it's a stringed instrument, and he picks away and he plays with uh, a gentleman who's best known for his work with the Dirty Three, a drummer called Jim White, who I've ah, uh, okay. had the pleasure of being friends with for uh, first time would have played with him. But, would have been in 93 and uh i know jim white i mean i don't know him personally but i i know his work venom p stinger yeah i mean if you actually knew jim you could know jim for a long time and and you'd have to have a hell of a set of ears to understand what he was saying because he speaks very quietly but uh (laughs) he's a lovely man yeah and uh to me he's uh just a wizardly percussionist and uh oh yeah Part of the pleasure of seeing him play live is just the versatility as a as a, a not only a drummer but a percussionist and his joy of playing and uh, you know he's found a great a great accompaniment guy in George Zyloris and uh, the two of them work beautifully together and if and this band plays all over the world at all kinds of things and if you ever get a chance to see them I, I went down to Omaha little over a year ago and saw him open for godspeed you black emperor and that was a band that i was completely unfamiliar with and uh i, I mean i went down there to see xyloris white because i will travel to see jim play and I, it, it's very triumphant music and this is one of the songs that i love from that set and i bought both records and it's one of those bands that i'll travel two three hundred miles to to see play if i have the chance that's great that's great so t- tell about the song what's the name this song's the chicken song and um i don't know that much about its history i think they've introduced it as a, a song that does have greek roots like a, i don't know if it's actually like a traditional greek song or i'm sure it's their take on it um but you'll sort of hear their you know feverishness and and you'll you know hear their enthusiasm and it just sounds like a great take on a Greek traditional song. All right. Well, let's hear it. The, the chicken song, yeah. Xyloris White, three pod, three songs pod.
Wow. Well, you, you, you had of, me a lot at, of action there. Yeah, for sure. You had me at Jim White, and uh, and and you didn't disappoint. That's pretty and cool. I guarantee you, they come to New York once or twice a year. They don't they don't come out to these parts very often. I'm in Des Moines, but go out of your way to see them. You'll be on the balls of your feet jumping around. I don't care how tired you are. <laughs> okay. Well, yeah. you, you'll have to you'll have to be my eyes and ears because. Uh, I, you know, I've been here for four years and I've got a four-year-old. So you want to guess how many shows I've seen live? Zero, but get yourself a, <laughs> yeah, well, uh, get yourself a babysitter. That's, that, that's, no, no, totally fine. But uh, my point is that like live shows are just not on my radar right now. So, you know, you, you have to kind of like give me fair warning and, uh, and, and then maybe it can happen, but that's fantastic stuff. Yeah. And like it's one of the obviously like it's one of those things that is best captured live. But I, I'm pretty impressed with the the way they got their live spirit on both their records. That are if you like that kind of music, which I do. Like I, you know, I've got Eastern European roots, and um, I, I just love like you know, traditional Middle Eastern music and uh, Eastern European music. And, and my knowledge is I've dabbled you know and i bought some records and da 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 but uh you know zydoris white with jim and the band is uh a very current thing and uh you know they're popping up at all kinds of cool festivals around the world so if you get a chance to see them go see them yeah no i i, I will that's uh and i'll have to check out just much... to see jim play just yeah. to see jim play live you know he's well, fantastic well i've seen the dirty three but um oh yeah, yeah i'll tell you what oof yeah that's I've, it. say that Warren Ellis, of course, is now a very seminal member in uh, the, the Bad Seeds. To me, he's reinvigorated the, the current edition of the Bad Seeds. For sure. For Warren sure. Ellis being the violinist from the from the Dirty Three. Yeah. And of course, Mick Turner is you know their guitar player, guitar player in the, the Dirty Three, and he's done some brilliant solo stuff. And man. Well, and, and weren't, you don't want to play after that band. You don't want to take the stage after that band. No, no. weren't it's, Mick, it's, weren't Mick and Jim White and um, in uh, Venom P. Stinger? I think so. Yeah, Venom yeah. P. Stinger's before my time. Yeah, but, I mean, no, they were good. They're good. Yeah. Li- they there's a live oh, yeah. record. Good, good stuff. Um, you know, another Maybe Australian. Play band. one of those for me, or you know, yeah. I need to look into them more. I, I mean, obviously, you know, from the day I first encountered them, I played a show with the dirty three in newcastle outside of sydney in 93 94 and met those guys for the first time and warren was gluing his ancient violin back together (laughs) (laughs) it had gotten thrashed on the flight from somewhere and and uh you know somebody you know somebody's like mate these were all in venom p stinger and i was like sorry i don't know who that is (laughs) (laughs) well they were more like kind of Weren't they more sort of like a punky type thing? Yeah. Oh, yeah. They were much more of a rock band. Um, but they're good. Good stuff. Another Australian band. And there's never been, to me, a better between-song storyteller than Warren Ellis in the Dirty Three. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure you caught that. And, like, touring with those guys, like, he would... I mean, and after seeing the show now, obviously, he would tell the same stories at the same point if you saw them night after night. It didn't even matter, you know, like, you know, like usually when you see a band do that, you're like, oh, okay. So it's like, oh, he's going to tell this story now with a 
twist on it. it you know he'd always throw in different stories but he you know he'd have go-to stories and stuff because he would intro each song for you know a minute or two generally you know, it's, it, the guy's just got a captivating personality but yeah jim boy does he bring the goods yeah oh for sure for sure yeah incredible what's up what's up next, what's up next for you mike well, I'm 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 kind of moving progressively. I, I was in the '60s. Um, you you jumped well to current day, but um, you were I'm, kind of more in the '20s, really. Well, yeah, I was in the '20s, but but what we played was from the '60s. Now I've moved into the '70s, and uh, okay. uh, this is a band who, you know, I, I think. I'm just starting to realize that one of the themes that I have with a lot of the songs that I play is the world wasn't really ready for them. Oh, um, oh yeah, I've noticed that. I've noticed that theme. This is another the world wasn't really ready for them band. Um, th- they were they were in uh, Hamilton, Ontario, I think, or Toronto, Ontario, somewhere somewhere that you wouldn't expect a band like this to be coming out of. Uh, in 1974, they recorded some demos with Daniel Lanois, who, of course, went on to be much more famous than them as, as a producer. But uh, the band was a band called Simply Saucer, and they didn't release anything officially until um, a collection of their stuff came out in the late 80s or early 90s. Uh, but these were demos from recorded in 1974, and listening to them, to me, they sound a little bit like the bridge between the Velvet Underground and punk. You know, I mean, obviously Velvet Underground was a huge influence on the punk bands, and you can hear it in a lot of them, but coming explicitly with this band and this song, it for me, coming in 1974, like helps bridge that gap between Lou Reed, Velvet Underground, and like, I don't know. Rocket from the Tombs, even. I don't even know if they, they were probably a contemporary, but it's of the same style. And these guys. You think they were like keenly aware of the Velvet Underground being from Hamilton, Ontario? Uh, listen to the song and you tell me. It sounds very Velvet Underground to me. Um, I, I wouldn't be surprised if they knew them. If they didn't. Because I think the Velvet Underground, like, from what I know of them, like, during their existence especially the early days, if we're talking 74, they weren't a big band. No, no. I mean, they were another band that was, was kind of out of time, you know? They weren't yeah, really... that's what I'm saying. They're like one of the, like, the, back to your recurring theme. Yeah. They're one of the bands that really sort of is at the top of the list of bands that had a very right. For sure. small For sure. following. For sure. You know, yeah, and it's that famous quote, like, you know, they had like 100 fans, but every one of them went out and formed a band. Um, I would be surprised. You listen to the song. I'll we'll play the song. It's called A Bulletproof Nothing by Simply Saucer, recorded in 1974. After we play it, you tell me if, if you think that they heard The Velvet Underground. Uh, but Okay. All right, here we go. Because I know The Velvet Underground at this point has done plenty of work, so go ahead, yeah. Yeah.
What do you think, Bob? Did they hear the Velvet Underground? Well, yeah, I heard the Velvet Underground, but at the same time, like regionally speaking, I would say that they would be just as attached to uh, the MC5 and the Stooges. Yeah, yeah, no, that's I fair. I mean, that, like, cause they were fair. probably keenly aware of those bands because they were from the same area. That's fair. That, to me, that's to, that song sounds like an outtake from the rock and roll LP, but like amped up a little bit. Those jump stops they do, which are really cool. Yeah. I, I always love that effect in any rock music. Those like they had me like wondering, you know, like oh, like when to mic back in, Mike. Yeah. <laughs> Keep you guessing, <laughs> huh? I, like, Whoa. I love that action. I love that action. Like I, I, I always like whenever I've like seen bands, I love it that like quick, like uh. Yeah. It's like uh, you know, it's it's a beautiful thing to do. In yeah. The context of rock music. But I'm going to take you to the Paisley Underground next, and it's a very unfair label to a genre that had a lot of great uh, bands in it in L.A. in the early 80s. And I think basically when we think about Los Angeles in the early 80s, in addition to Axe, who you know, I've played before and we talked about, and of course the SST scene, which you know you and I are very familiar with and fans of a lot of the bands on that label. Saccharine Trust I've played. We can go on and on about our adoration of numerous SST bands, including Minutemen, of course, who are at the top of our list. This is a different scene in LA in the early eighties. And, you know, whether it was lazy rock journalism, I know it offended Steve Wynn from the dream syndicate who are a brilliant rock band, no matter how you slice them. Um, you know, this is a, a band called the rain parade that got thrust into a genre that was definitely not what SST was doing. They were doing sort of a more jangly type guitar, psychedelic thing, heavily birds influenced. Obviously, I think you'll hear that. And I think that unlike Simply Saucer, I'm sure all these bands were keenly aware of the birds. Yeah, sure. No doubt about it. Right. <clears throat> um, but this is like one of my recurring themes is is the is songs I loved when I was 17, 18 years old. And after the first phase of like building a record collection and being a college radio DJ and songs that, you know, over 30 years later that have still, you know, stuck with me that I still find myself playing and listening to a lot. And this is on, for me, which is a great rock album called Emergency Third Rail Power Trip. This is my favorite song. And it's, a, it's actually a deep cut on the record. There's a lot of great, great songs on it. But uh, Saturday's Asylum by the Rain Parade. It's got Dave Roback, who, of course, went on uh, a successful band called Opal, where yeah. he played with Kendra Smith sure. from the Dream Syndicate. Mm -hmm. And then he's I think he's most famous for his work with Hope Sandoval and Mazzy Starr. Of course, yeah. And uh, he was a great producer, and they used to, well, he's still alive. And, yeah. in fact, I think that the Rain Parade actually do gigs now. Um, I saw him, and they... in at 9.30 Club in D.C. when I was in college, and they were fantastic. And this is full-on, like, uh, pop psychedelia from the early 80s and from Los Angeles. All right. On the, on the Enigma record. Enig Enigma record label, yeah. Uh, they were yeah. part of the, uh, the scene with 3 o'clock, too, right? Yeah, I think that's one of the reasons why a lot of the bands from this genre were like a little bit irritated because the three o'clock went in this like full on MTV fuel direction, 
they were opening for REM and like I think they they made this scene sort of corny like they mm-hmm. became like at the time like the most famous band mm-hmm. from the genre and I think that a lot of the other bands like Green on Red is lumped into the genre and they're a great band and and um, I just think it I just think that you know bands they I don't care who you are you always want to sort of defy categorization and just feel like you're a rock and roll band. Right. And I, you know, so I think it's like, it's like an easy task for a, you know, I sympathize with the rock journalists are trying to like reference things, but uh, let's just play this song. I think it's good. It's just a good song to listen to. All right, let's do it. Rain Parade, Saturday's Asylum.
rain parade. See, I, see, I like um, a lot of things about that song, but two little lyrical things I love are funny things happen way too fast and then ride a passing car for an instant. Hmm. Like, there's just like fun, fun little trippy lyrics. Yeah, no, and it's, it's weird. It's one of those things that, we, you know, we talked about music kind of not being out of time or whatever. That doesn't sound like L.A., and that doesn't sound like the 80s even. Yeah, I mean, you tell me why. Well, to me, it sounds like he's got a little bit of a British accent, and, you know, I mean, that almost sounds like a 60s tune. Yeah. In a good way. Pop psychedelia. Yeah, yeah. So what are you going to bring us next, buddy? Well, I'm going to play uh, a band that, you know, this is a band I don't really know a whole lot about. Um, I've got a couple of their albums. Me neither. Yeah, you know nothing about. Um, they were around yeah. in the 90s. They were, so we've moved, we've moved, I, I jumped a decade. We went from the 60s to the 70s. Now we, we're in the 90s. Smack it in the middle of the 90s, I believe. Um, this was an upstate New York, Albany, New York band. Um, they released some stuff, I think, on maybe on Flipped Out Records, or maybe that's how I heard of them. I know the, the guy, Jack, from Flipped Out, good guy. Ran a record store, ran a small record label for years. Uh, and, and this band's called Beef, and they were playing, you know, they were playing shows around the Northeast for a while. I never saw them live. I uh, got a couple of their records. One is the Champagne of Bands, and the other yeah. one, <laughs> the other one is this one. Which, Cleverly, yes, it's uh, the the name of this album is uh, Thinking in a Drunk Tank, Drunk in a Think Tank. Um, so think about that one for a second, Bob. Uh, but, I will. But they, uh, you know, they were generally kind of like a heavy rock band, a lot of like jokey, almost, you know, like. Think like the amphetamine reptile style of, of rock, like heavy, heavy, you know, like not really grunge. And amphetamine reptile always had a certain meanness to me. Yeah, no, this was this was like taking that sound, but not like the not like the violence inherent in it, but like the goofiness, like just just pushing it to the goofy side. Um, you know, like they would sample <laughs> sample uh, lines from All in the Family, or uh, <laughs> you know, just like. Like, but like heavy. Uh, the song that I'm going to play, though, is not heavy at all. It's, in fact, it's it's almost like a pretty little ditty. Um, it's it's a light little song. It almost like harkens back to like, you know, like a little folky, almost like pseudo folky, you know, Grateful Deadish feel to it. And it's uh, the, the song's called Town Car. Uh, it's it's the kind of song that like. It's not on Spotify. It's not on YouTube. I think unless yeah, well, you, it's, the, it's the wildly obscure Mikey G. Hogan here. That's right. Uh, unless you have the CD, you probably don't know this song. But it's a shame because it's a super catchy song, and it's a pretty funny song. And it's it's this it's it's a story about. Uh, well, I won't tell the story. You know, I'll let you listen to the lyrics. Pay attention. But it's kind of fun. It's it's like. In a different world, this would have been the mid-90s slacker anthem, like complete okay. stoner slacker yeah. anthem. Like, this is what, you, yeah. you know, stoner slacker aspirational goals right here. Uh, yeah, go on and play us one that none of us have ever heard. 
Thanks, Bob. Except for you. I hope you and like it. 80 oh, other people. I oh, hope so, too. I hope you like it. it. All right. Town Car by Beef. Here we go. Okay, I see where you're going there. I didn't hear any Grateful Dead elements. I heard more like uh, they might be giants and Dead Milkman and Camper Van Beethoven and things like that. Yeah, maybe. I, I guess it was the, it was the like the little guitar lines. Uh, you know, it's almost like American Beauty. Maybe I'm giving them too much credit. Oh well, you. I'm not into the Grateful Dead, so you know, to me, like. <laughs> <laughs> That's um, a, that's it, an, that to me, that like I don't know what it is, but like that's an insult to any band. <laughs> but, yeah. I, I I hear where you're coming from, but I mean it. You know, like uh, you know, the, but I mean that like a lot of people love the Grateful Dead. A lot of people I know that I have a lot of respect for love the Grateful Dead. I just don't. Yeah, I'm I'm kind of with you, but I do appreciate it, American. It could have been. It could be because I had to deal with a lot of like deadheads and sure as a youth that sure. sure. Yeah, I I hear you. Maybe I shouldn't have mentioned the dead. We're a real pain in the ass. Maybe I shouldn't have mentioned the dead, but you know, how can you hate a song or a band? No, mention the dead. I mean, I'll just no, 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 no. I'm I'm going to bring it back to beef. That you know, a song or a band that has the line, "In the world wouldn't be such a bad place if everyone was like me. We'd be all all be fat, stoned, and happy." You know, I mean, how can you argue with that, huh? Yeah, I mean, I like that. To me, the, the 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 Grateful Dead only wrote one song that's worth a shit, and China Cat Sunflower, because kind of reminds me of the Meat Puppets a little bit. But <laughs> yeah, you know. But that's beside I, the point. I, I like Eat. Box of Rain, from, from, but yeah, yeah, I hear you. Yeah, Box of Rain. Yeah. Anyways, that, that's all 
beside the point. I'm gonna. Um, <laughs> <laughs> what did you think of the beef song, though? I mean, all, all, all... I enjoyed the beef song. The beef song was a fun listen. The beef song is like fun, like listening to like Telephone Free Landslide Victory by Camper and Beethoven, which I think is a great album. Or yeah. two and three by them are like, right. you know, the the better. I never got to see They Might Be Giants Live, but I understand they were really, really good. And like, you know, Weens and other. I mean, like, to me, that I, mean, I don't know. You said that was a bit of a departure for beef. Yeah. So, but what I'm saying is like, to me, it reminded me of like this kind of like fun, lighthearted rock with clever lyrics. Right, know? right, right. And in a different universe, that song probably would have been a huge, huge hit, right? I mean, couldn't you see that song being played like maybe with a little bit better percu- or production because the production is, you know, lacking, but... Well, I, did, I thought they did a hell of a job with the production, probably considering what they had to right. deal with. They like, probably you know, had $100 to spend to record right, the song. Right, so it's home yeah. recording. I think it sounds good, and you can hear the lyrics, and, yeah. you know, shit, like, I tip my cap to beef. You yeah. Know, like, you know, I look forward to hearing some more beef in my life. <laughs> I just feel like that, <laughs> that that should have been a defining song of the 90s, and instead you can't find it anywhere. No, only you can, Mike, and thanks for bringing it to the Three Songs Pod audience. <laughs> You're welcome. Now, I'm going to play one that's slightly more familiar, but actually not really that much more familiar, because like I'm not actually like a... I mean, I've dabbled in prog rock, like, but I'm not like a prog rock completist. Like, you know, some of my friends have like prog rock like spellbinding progressive rock collections of like you know and i only have like if i flip through my records right now i I only have like 15 or 20 records that you could actually define as prog rock which of course includes bands like can and even like faust to an extent and a band that i do love incredible string band who to me sound like one of my favorite bands frogs yeah, frogs. Oh, God. I the frogs. I torment wow. the frogs. You know, I'll get into that during uh-huh. lunch. Yeah, so you, you have to tell It's a bit of a heavy-hearted story. subject for me because, you know, Dennis is Dennis Lumian, who, who drowned yeah. a few years ago, was one of my favorite people yeah. in, in my musical experience. Uh, but but uh, <clears throat> anyways, this is Gong. It's the only record I own by them. It's 1974. They were an international collaboration. I think they are started in the 70s in Paris and like they were just one of these like freaky bands that was living in some sort of weird perhaps drug addled imaginary world with like carrying on weird figures like from album to album like Zero and and you know in in this case the I believe the PHP's advice the song's called the PHP advice it's a short little ditty like we're playing ditties yeah Uh, ending with ditties yeah this is just a fun listen but um the php's advice the php sounds for pot-headed pixies so that's a good transition from that last song then huh yeah that's what i'm saying so (laughs) yeah compliments that last song somehow like i don't know if um, gong or beef in, ever intended to be related, but we're going to do that here on Three Songs Pod. So that's what we do. It's 1974. It's off the album You, which is uh, I think t- right before like sort of the main guys in Gong like flew the coop and maybe they went into Sid Barrett mode. Who knows? These guys were out there, and uh, 
and this is a, a song a song called the PHP's advice All it's right. got cool lyrics alright let's check it alright don't remember this is what you do get up out of bed now if there's nothing left to find an answer to suitably wacky ending to our most wacky show ever <laughs> prog rock on three songs pod yeah you know it's funny that reminded me a little it reminded me of two things it reminded me of harry parch who i don't know if you know uh no i i i think i may bring some harry parch problem is yeah. harry parch didn't really write many songs uh mm. He wrote. Well, we're not going to hold him against. We're not going to hold that against him on this show. Right? No, I know. But how do you bring non-songs to a show called Three Songs? So I'll figure it out, though. Uh, you Harry, can do that. You know how to do that. You brought us a beef song for God's yeah, sake. That's true. <laughs> Harry Harry Parch. Um, a lot of weird percussion. Interesting. Just crazy rhythms. And and then also reminds me a little um, Roxy music. Oh, weird! That, I never would have thought of that. Yeah. But um, don't you think, like, if you could play any instrument well, what would you choose? I mean, you can get obvious with me and say guitar. Yeah, that's probably what I would say. I don't know. Uh, for me, boring. I, I mean, for me, I would love to be great at the xylophone or the vibes. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I'd love to be great at that because I think that that's like the most underused thing, instrument in in pop and rock music yeah and that's one thing that's yeah. one thing I, one reason i love that gong song yeah no it's 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 a really it's a cool weird fun song that just almost seems uncategorizable even though it, it feels like like i think of harry parch i think of roxy music but like I can see what you mean by by prog rock but it's nothing at all like what a lot of the other Prague bands at the time were doing. Well, I mean, we, we did play, you know, Billy TK, which, you know, could technically be thrown into the, the 
prog rock world. And that was more of like a big electric guitar thing, you know, where like, I think when yeah. most people hear the term prog rock, they think of like, it's going to be 12 minutes of mania. Well, you know, I, I think prog, you know, King Crimson in the court of the Crimson King, you know, and even Roxy Music early stuff was kind of prog rock. And, and at that point, there was, there were like two paths for prog rock. You could take the yes path of really, really overindulgent, let's give each band member a full side of symphonic sounds. Or you could take kind of the Roxy Music path, which led ultimately to New Wave. Right, or you could be like the Groundhogs, you know. I mean, it's just like, I guess it's a very wide genre that... Yeah, you know, yeah. And again, like, I hate to be the guy that waves the flag of limited knowledge and just, like, pulls upon, like, the few things that I have that I love, because that's the way it works for me as a listener. Like, like the two incredible string band records I own, like, I listen to a lot. I love that. So I'll play some yeah. of that soon, like... It's going to fit in, like, with that vibe, like, this weird, like, kind of strange imaginary world and, like, just sort of very interesting music being played in this, you know, at the same time, not, like, too harsh, you know, and obviously we have, like, transcendent rock legends in the genre, like, can. Yeah. And, and um, you know, so, you know, we'll, we'll keep coming up with that kind of thing on the three songs pod. All right, let's do it. And, and I think, I think think that what your description of you know weird out there stuff i think you'll like some harry parch i'll bring that soon yeah you don't know how to do that you'll do it you pull it you can pull anything off with your equipment <laughs> <laughs> i try i try the Our, pleasure hanging out with you as always my friend absolutely mr and Sandwich. when you get a chance like maybe even well he's only four but when your boy teddy when he is he playing any kind of musical instruments at all now is he banging uh, on things oh or? yeah oh yeah you bet I mean, he, yeah, he, let's get that kid a nice xylophone. He has a xylophone. He loves the xylophone. He also has... That's my man. He has man. He has a little four-string little kid's guitar that he's broken one of the strings off and pulled the uh, um, tuning peg off of. So it's a three-string, completely detuned, you know, and he'll just sit there and bang on that thing, too. So. Okay, so he's, when Sonic Youth gets back together, Teddy will be in the band. Exactly. And, uh, he's already got more talent than I do. It's probably me as well, but <laughs> <laughs> anyways, we'll, we'll talk about Teddy later. In fact, we'll get Teddy on a show, yeah. like uh, banging away in the background, like my dog goes sparks in the background. Perfect. All right. Well, thank you, Bob. We'll do this thank again you. soon. And thank you, everyone, for listening. It's been fun.